Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever you are tuning into today's podcast. I'm Adam Parry, the editor of Event Industry News, and joining me today is Steve Jobetti. Have I have I mispronounced that, or did I get that right? Gottlieb. Gottlieb. Sorry, I, I, I'm a stickler, and I, I, you know, I should have checked that before. So, Steve, many apologies. But listen, guys, Steve is the founder of Shindig, an online platform that the events event owners and brands like Netflix, Amazon, the University of Oxford are all using to bring their communities together. And what Shindig really does is offer the dynamics of in-person events at internet scale. So Steve, welcome to the podcast. Adam, thank you so much for having me. Thank you, and for those that are looking and kind of going, well, this doesn't look like Adam's normal podcast. This is a different, this is a different setup. For those that are listening in, we're actually in shindig right now aren't we steve we're actually in the platform recording this live which i you know testament to you great idea and, and, and a different way of doing things uh indeed uh well thank you so much um here let me uh we're in shindig platform you can see it here uh uh around it has uh shows an audience and uh and likewise uh i can put on a little video of uh something going on in the background with no audio and you can kind of get a flavor as we talk of uh, what's completely different about uh, uh, about this. So yeah, it's awesome. Man. And and for those that are listening in and, and maybe not watching the video version of the podcast, like, go do check out the go do check out the video because it's, it's really interesting. I love you. Uh, so I, we could we could have that on as just uh, um, uh, something in the background. Yeah, awesome, awesome. So, Steve, before we jump into to Shindig and and what it's like to be a, a technology provider right now in the online event space, I've looked at your Wikipedia page. I don't think I've ever interviewed anybody with a Wikipedia Wikipedia page before. I'm I'm kind of jealous, if I'm honest. Um, tell us a little bit about your background in the event space, or or how you came to kind of founding Shindig, really. Well, I think it's, it's uh, I'm glad you asked. It's, a, I think, a really interesting journey. Uh, for 25 years, I had a record company. And I started the record company out of uh, law school with a very odd record called Television's Greatest Hits, uh, which was a huge global success, uh, just of old TV themes. That grew into an 11-volume series uh, documenting the history of the TV theme. Uh, which was successful world over. And I took that um, and developed an uh, uh, independent label from that, which I discovered artists like Nine Inch Nails to Pitbull from Ja Rule to Little John. Um, Just Jack in the UK was was an early signing. Uh, or was a, and uh, uh, we had uh, Underworld in uh, North America. And uh, um, we had the Wax Trax label. And artists, uh, uh, you know, in every genre. Um, and the interesting thing was, if you try and figure out what possibly could connect uh, the Canals and Television's Greatest Hits and Nine Inch Nails and Pitbull, um, it's that all of them really began as grassroots movements. They didn't begin at Top 40 Radio in the States or BBC One uh, in the UK. Uh, they didn't begin by us wielding the uh, the levers of power uh, as was done in the 80s by the major labels to kind of establish success. They began uh, long before it kind of was a term of art uh, uh, of street marketing. These began as grassroots movements. And, you know, every artist begins not at, you know, Wembley, they begin in a small club and breaking artists is all about energizing small groups of people, those early super fans, those early adopters and turning them into an evangelical irresistible force of change. Uh, and you do that by providing them with intensely personal and motivating experiences where they feel, you know, amazed, and excited and over the moon that they were there at some magical starting point. So my, in a way, I see a, 
direct continuum from creating those super fan events and creating that sense uh, of that, you know, sparking that word of mouth that launched these long-term careers and brands. Uh, I see a direct connection between that. And that really informs everything about, about uh, what Shindig is. So, so having some having that experience and that background over over a long time of you know realizing the the, the true value and uh, what people really get out of physical events, especially like you say when they they're, when they're seeing artists at the first first time standing out. I, you know, I know that I've had that experience myself of seeing bands and things when they're playing the the little gigs and that you know you you might not realize it right then, but then they become on to be these mega stars. You you're clearly a person born out of the, the importance and, and what's truly valuable about an in-person event. What then brought you into the online world? Why why shift from physical to, to launching a platform like Shindig, which is all about bringing people together online? Well, so I, um, I had sold TBT and I, I was looking around um, and going through a difficult personal period. And I went online and I wondered why the online experience was so kind of frozen in time mm. in kind of asynchronous text chat rooms. And I began to puzzle, why did virtual worlds fail? Uh, why, did, why was video chat such a disappointment? And what I realized was video chat was little more than uh, telephone with pictures. It was really yeah. the picture phone experience. And um, um, it robbed any, you know, I looked at things like Hangouts, it robbed you of any sense that there was really any live there, even though they called these experiences live. Uh, there was no live there. They were live in name only. And that's because there was no participation amongst the audience members. It was a very attenuated experience. And so without there being any real reason to be there live, um, the smart choice on Hangouts or Facebook Live or any of these other platforms is to wait. The smart choice is to be a freeloader and wait till it got a million, a million views and then watch it. Because if there's no difference from watching the recording than being there early, if being there early just means you're watching something early, but you can't engage in any meaningful way, then... There's no point to it. So I looked at all these things and said, th this enforced passivity, this loss of agency, this being subjected to sit there and just be a watcher and relegated to second-class citizenship of just typing in text into some waterfall chat, which, you know, who knows who's reading and, and it's impossible to have any dialogue. That's for the birds. That's not a premium experience. Um, and is live and name only. And, and so I really said, you know, for this to be live, you need the audience to feel the energy in the room. You need the audience to be able to share their passion with one another. You, you know, when you go to a club, it's not just the performance. It's the hanging out with your peeps for the two hours beforehand and the hours after. It's sharing all the good, good vibes and energy. And it's maybe that magic moment where maybe you get to interact, you know, and be brought to the stage somehow and participate. And without that whole thing, when you reduce the experience to just a screen performance, you know, you're not creating the same, you know, type of thing. The reality is broadcast is great for, for some things, but that's effectively a broadcast. And if you want to recreate that premium experience that really makes people feel special, you need a platform that really is focused on engagement. I, I absolutely have to agree with you, and you know, having the, having the experience of producing our first virtual event just the other week for Event Tech Live, you know, it was blindingly obvious to us at that point was that part was absolutely missing, and and you know, I I got really um, I wouldn't say depressed, but I got really sad about the fact that I wasn't going to a physical venue for my event. For all of those reasons that you've just mentioned there, you know, meeting with the team, bumping into people that you've you've not seen in such a long time and having that chat in in the aisle, you know, and I'm sure there were people that 
didn't meet that would have met naturally at sitting next to each other on a stage and listening to a speaker and then just getting chatting afterwards or making a passing, you know, a small passing comment. Oh, that is very much missing on the whole when it comes to online events. It's it's not fluid in the way that people naturally interact with each other. And don't get me wrong, for some of the, you know, some might argue that it's it's there for people that are very extroverted. You know, the, you know, there's like some me and you that kind of just get involved with people and say, "Hey, how are you doing? What are you about?" And, and others are very passive. So, I think I think it all depends on again what kind of content you're doing. Maybe if you're doing a learning course, then that broadcast is is fine. But you're absolutely right that there's so much of the live engagement, the serendipity that happens at live events and gigs and you know, with bands and stuff that, that is absolutely missing right now. So I guess that brings me on to, I guess, a little bit more like, what's it like to be a supplier of this type of technology right now in in, in a world where physical events can't happen? Are, are you, have you seen an explosion in demand for, for your platform? Is it is it actually quite difficult because of that demand? Like, how are you finding it? Well, if I could, Adam, I'd like to go back uh, a minute and talk a little bit about what we do that's so different. Okay. Uh, 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 the name Shindig actually is meant to kind of express the fact that we create those moments, those serendipitous moments amongst and between participants. You know, that the name Shindig comes from those dance parties that began in the 20s and 30s <laughs> uh, uh, and kind of... Uh, 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 but it, it's meant to be, uh, even though uh, about that serendipitous connection of people being able to bump into each other and and all everyone in the shindig, you can have a thousand people uh, at a single click. You can be in a private conversation with a friend or meet someone or talk to a colleague or a fellow student or a coworker uh, in business context. Salespeople can close the deal and and meet privately with, with teams. And these are different from breakouts uh, where you're isolated from the whole experience and off in some uh, separate world. These are free-flowing uh, 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 conversations that occur in a, in a large experience where everyone still sees one another and where you can still hear and see what's going on on the stage. So uh, that video I showed before here, I'll, I'll play it again, yeah. uh, which is kind of helpful. This is a Harvard reunion event we did. Um, let me mute the audio. But you can see here, you know, this was 600 people in a shindig event, and there's a DJ on the stage. And you see uh, uh, below a small portion of the people kind of clicking on one another and, and forming their private conversations. Uh, and groupings, and they and they're all able to meet with their classmates while they're still able to hear the DJ and see other classmates jumping on the stage and showing off their dance moves. And this might be a reunion. It might be a corporate town hall. It might be political organizing. It may be a recruitment event. It might be a conference. It might it might have been your conference where you could have a networking lounge, and then you could just as easily go to a formal presentation where someone can here go like this and give a formal presentation for a large audience. They could do cool things like dim the house lights if they want to turn off the ability for people to private chat. And then as appropriate, they can either use a backstage to pre-interview people before they give them the stage, or they could just open a podium. Just like at your conference, you would say, okay, if you have a question, line up behind the mic and we'll wow. take first come first questions. And then you as the panelist can go say, I'm going to hang out with all of you and in the audience and be available for your private kind of comments and go down into the audience after your talk. So um, that's kind of the experience. The way we like to uh, different talk about Shindig is say uh, the other platforms are kind of, uh, um, and you tell me, Adam, if, it, if the slides aren't helpful. Um, uh, we like to compare ourselves to the other platforms. The other platforms are, you know, very reductionist and simplistic. Words with friends is a game, but the experience is somewhat attenuated. You don't know if people are going to reply in five seconds or five months or ever. Uh, Shindig is a game that's more like Fortnite. 
you're totally yeah. connected to the other people in the experience. And likewise, like Fortnite, Shindig acknowledges that your event is going to go through a whole range of dynamics from the initial chit chat as people come in and get settled to the house business where a host takes the stage and starts talking and waits for others to arrive to the main presentation where someone's going to uh, give their main talk and take the stage and command everyone's attention to when they're going to answer questions from the audience to when there's going to be discussion after the presentation. So, um, you know, we're a much more complicated and robust version uh, or game that's more, you know, attuned to a lot what a large scale event requires. What's what's really striking about what you just showed me there, and again, for those people that are um, that are not um, able to see and they're just listening in right now, like what was really apparent there is that there's definitely certain events that this would work extremely well for. Um, I'm thinking back to like award ceremonies. Like I've seen so many award ceremonies at the moment that are just that presentation. People are kind of chatting away. Uh, and I said myself to, to a number of friends, what's missing from that environment is that conversation you have around the table, whether it's with your customers, your clients, your staff, and then the ability to just, you know, freely wander around the event and just bump into people at the bar and have a chat or, or you know what, spend five minutes at the back because you've just had enough dancing and things. Even those, like, just those, like, after party events, you know, you could have an after party event on Shindig where everybody that's watched that session or been to that event could then come together and like you've just shown there, listen to a DJ, but still have the ability to go around and, and, and chat to each other. And it's, it's, I'm blown away, mate. I'm, I'm, and that's genuine. Like I've not seen anything like this in the past where people, the, the biggest thing I will take away is it gives the ability to people for people to truly decide their experience when it comes to that event, right? I think you, you totally get it. it. It's the difference, you know, what I think Zoom fatigue, people are missing what it's about. Mm. You know, it's not that we're tired of interacting with our screens. We know we can interact with our screens <laughs> an unlimited amount of time. We yeah. don't get tired of screens. What we get tired of is no autonomy. Yeah. We get tired of passivity we, we it's like the whole world has gone on a cross-country trip and we in the passenger seat and is not being allowed to change the radio station um you know you what people are frustrated about is hey i'm in an event and i can't talk to my friend who i want to talk to <laughs> i'm just supposed to sit here and listen um, yeah. and i don't know when i can have the stage and and what the etiquette is and this is um, really oppressive to not have free will. Um, what Shindig really is flips the script of all these platforms are really built host down with all the controls being in the host as opposed to bottom up where the participant has autonomy and agency and optionality yeah. and can kind of cho choose how they want to engage with the event. But also adding to your point, you know, I came from music and came from events but it's not just entertainment. You know, the fact of the matter is anyone who thinks about it and been in a business meeting of any kind or any collective meeting knows full well that the presentation, the formal part is usually not the main reason you attend or the main benefit. It's all the pre-conversation and post-conversation. The presentation is an occasion for collaboration and sharing, but it's not where the most of that collaboration and sharing happens. Most of that collaboration and sharing happens at a much more personal and granular level. So, you know, it was none other than the CEO of Microsoft who was in the New York Times recently, saying he needed everyone at Microsoft to come back to the office. Even though they were all on Teams, he said in the Times, he missed the fact that they weren't able to talk to one another in ad hoc conversations before the meeting and in the winding down of the meeting. And I think he was just acknowledging what we all know, that that private mingling and networking and collaboration is not a nice to have. 
it's fundamental. And that's what we're trying to uh, uh, have people recognize. Absolutely, man. I mean, there's, there's so much in there. Like, you know, people in workplaces and events, they cultivate relationships through in- engagement with other, you know, quizzing each other, asking each other questions. What do you do? How do you do that? Like, and let's be honest about it. Most events and the content at the events are the mechanisms that bring people together around a shared idea, right? Whether that's technology or sustainability or or your favorite rock band, right? Like mm. it, this idea is that you're you're in a venue together and a shared experience around people. But there is this disjointed approach at the moment, which is like, okay, online we can bring you together around this this shared idea and this this common theme. But we're not going to really allow you to engage with other people unless you just have this one-to-one video chat, which is not natural, really, is it? In a way that, if you think about most events and the, the engagement that happens, you know, exhibitions. Yes, you may go to an exhibitor, you may sit there, you may have a chat with that person on a one-to-one basis about what they do, but you very rarely kind of pre-arrange that appointment before you go to that event. It just happens naturally based on in the moment, and I think that's what's so beautiful about the events industry is we create these the, this ability for people to connect just naturally and it has got a bit lost online at the moment I it's great to see you you guys changing that there are a number of companies that are trying to make up for their lack of networking by adding mm. these these features <clears throat> like speed dating or or breakouts that you set up but <clears throat> they're all kind of add-ons as opposed yeah. to built in organically into the experience. And they erase the whole notion of a social network. There is unfortunately a hierarchy of people who don't want to talk and people who do want to talk. Uh, yeah. There's a hierarchy of bosses and management uh, and top dogs and and there's uh, all, uh, and employers and there is a whole uh, other hierarchy of People looking for a job, looking to sell something with their own agenda, looking for access, looking for recognition. And just erasing that hierarchy and saying, okay, in this world, we're going to treat everyone as beautiful and equal. And everyone has equal desire to talk to one another. Um, No, that's that's not the way it works. Um, What you need to do in events is charm people, be introduced to people. Find some, oh, you're talking to my friend. Maybe I can jump in. Or, oh, you know this person. Maybe you can introduce me. I see so here. Um, um, or I, I loved your question that you or your answer on this. Can we can I talk to you? So it has to be it has to be human and social. We don't, you know, no more than in a real party, you'd say assign people to, okay, this is your dance partner. Yeah, it, it, it wouldn't be natural, is it? And you're so right. Like I, I've said this right at the beginning of the pandemic. But what was missing massively is I know Steve and I know Dahlia, but they don't know each other and they should chat to each other. And and that would happen naturally at an event because I would probably be stood with you, Steve, and I'd see Dahlia walk past and be like, guys, you need, you should meet. Like this, Do the introductions, You know, spend five minutes and do the whole walk away thing. And I'm just going to go get a drink, you guys chat, and then come back a little bit later. That's one of the greatest parts of events is the ability to introduce people to each other or or to network within networks because that's you 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 know as that individual that these people just would get on or they should meet or they could do business or you know it's it's the way that dating world works right it, it isn't it? it's like people introduce they they play the matchmaker all the time and that filters down to every event right. so again I, I keep saying it but it's great to see you kind of facilitating the ability to do that online. I could, I could see you being used as venues for workplaces, for, for remote workers and just, pe- you know, the venues already existed. Everybody's logged in at the in the morning and they just kind of wander off and oh, I need a chat to Steve and I'm going to go and have a chat um, to Adam or, or to Dahlia. I'm going to mention those names again. So just to talk a little bit about the types of events then, because I think it's, it'd be really good to give a picture of the types of events that... Um, shindig's hosting at the moment to give our listeners and our readers an idea of what they might be able to use the platform for you you showed the slide earlier of a of a, a kind of a networking event around djs what other formats are, are being hosted or is it is it literally every format of events that's being hosted on shindig at the moment so we have universities who use it every day for all you know uh in the classroom setting it's an especially powerful tool 
because it allows a teacher to go from addressing the entire class mm -hmm. to giving individualized attention and mm -hmm. moving around the class uh, uh, in small groups. So that organic kind of easy, seamless transition from addressing all to uh, addressing small groups is really fundamentally what's missing from the Zoom classes. Uh, yeah. uh, so we have big app applications in education, likewise for the social campus, for bringing the, the 360 application uh, of student large student events uh, uh, where students want to socialize. But we do everything from large you know, corporate conferences um, uh, for companies like Accenture uh, mm -hmm. or the Gartner Group or, or, or uh, uh, in, Informa uh, and Viacom to uh, uh, all kinds of media events, uh, uh, galas, uh, uh, receptions. We just did a reception for Representative Jim Clyburn uh, uh, in, uh, in Washington for 100 or so dignitaries. We got written up in the Washington Post for a big uh, two weeks ago for a big gala we did for uh, uh, Washington VIPs. We just had Mary J. Blige do a big uh, a fundraising event uh, for a charity she supports around uh, uh, her introducing her new wine. Um, uh, but we've done all kinds of celebrity events. We've done author events. We've done uh, podcasts we did. You know, we've done podcast events, live taping of podcasts. We also did, you know, Amazon Music uh, uh, did a party for uh, uh, um, a podcast movement. Uh, so, uh, at, you know, so we add parties and welcome receptions and, and closing receptions and networking lounges to uh, large scale conferences. Uh, we did the Democratic National Convention uh, in uh, we did the Connecticut State Democratic National Convention and did a lot of things wow. for the DNC. Uh, we have uh, the U.S. government as a client. We have the French embassy as a client. Uh, you know, so uh, uh, from Kevin Smith doing fan events uh, 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 to, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, all kinds of, uh, you know, uh, big four-letter kind of big associations that everyone knows. Um, that are really dull, but you know, need to do their big meetings, trade shows, you know, the whole night. You like the? Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, uh, and and I hope this comes across in the right way. But you like to me like Zoom on steroids. You like everything that's good about Zoom in that easy ability to connect and watch content and and talk to, and connect up with your friends and family and coworkers and 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 people at event. But all of that extra stuff that's missing that, that just makes like zoom so passive like you know i meet up even with some industry friends every so often now and it's one of those situations where it's, it's it's a group conversation so that's great but only one or two of you can really talk to each other at any one time and you know you just might want that little private chat off the sides with with your friend abby or your friend matt and stuff and you just want to you want two seconds just to have that conversation I love the idea of podcasts like that's that's because podcasts tend to be such a it's it's that you know passive content at, um, kind of taken on board isn't it you know we re we're recording this now and then our listeners will listen to it at some point I'd love to see podcasts move in a way that they can do this live and then take questions from their their audience right there in the moment and make that make that um, podcast more collaborative. I think I think that's a fantastic idea. I also think since podcasters have a, a problem of um, uh, uh, of drawing attention to new episodes, it's also a way. Even if they produce their podcast their traditional way, they can mm. do a a fan event for their super listeners to discuss the podcast, and that way uh, 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 create you know kind of platform it so they're able to create new content for their super fans, which really is key to the word of mouth that gets everyone to talk about the episode and make sure they're not just subscribed to the podcast, but really listening to them. And so it gives them that extra promotional kind of uh, jolt and, and, and keeps their super fans really uh, 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 spreading the word and evangelizing. But you, your point, Adam, is, is right on. There is this, you know, I love Zoom. Uh, and what Eric did is amazing. But Zoom was really built, as he acknowledges, to solve the problems of WebEx, mm. which is really about 
how do we do unified communications for big corporations that want to enable all their staff to do 10-person conference calls easily? It was never intended for events for hundreds. And the reality is that's why the product, as it gets at scale, is called Zoom Webinar. You know, it really is just a webinar. And you may, your, your listeners may not remember, but the webinar technology goes back to 1996. I don't know what milestone uh, is applicable in the UK, but 1996 was when Monica was an intern. That's when, <laughs> uh, that's when webinars were introduced. Uh, so that technology, you can't think of many technologies that are still being used that are that old. Uh, it's time to retire the webinar and recognize that when you get a you know, scale, you need to engage your audience and meet them halfway and allow them to participate more meaningfully than text. That's no longer fair, reasonable, uh, uh, or what the technology uh, allows. So, yeah. The, the choice the choice of technology should be exactly the same as the choice of a physical venue, right? There's certain venues that are built and, and purposefully built to create a great experience for that. You know, it, it wouldn't be the same really to listen to your favorite rock band on the beach. It's it's much better in a venue with a stage and lighting and sound and it's dark and you know, not to say that seeing your favorite band on the beach wouldn't be a great experience, but there's there's just a difference there. And it's the same with, you know. Zoom is a great product. And in certain environments, it's fine to use that as part of your event tech stack, if you want to call it, to yeah. produce your content. But if you want real engagement, if you want your audience to connect up with each other and experience and take part in the event, it's very passive. It's kind of like you keep saying it's chat and, and, and let's maybe message this person or ask a question. I love the feature where you can bring people onto the stage because that's something I've been wanting to do for so long is just bring the audience in and get, like, right, let, you've got a question, but let's get you up. Let's explain your question. Let's, let's deep dive into that question rather than just go, okay, well, we think we understand what you mean. We're going to interpret what you've written here in a, in a, in a, in a text box. And let's be honest, love, people love to get online. People love to have that, that time, don't they, to, to, to engage on screen. There is something completely different from having Carol Merrill read your question for you as if it was submitted on an index card and she was pulling it from the barrel. And now we have a question from uh, uh, Adam Perry. Um, there's something very different from allowing your audience to come up to the stage, have mm. FaceTime with the notable personality, uh, have them demonstrate their reaction. Are, is the, are, there, are they satisfied with the answer? Maybe introduce themselves and give their question some context. Maybe give the host a chance to engage them and dig deeper as to what's behind the question. You know, have make it more conversational. That yeah. is night and day from the reductionist thing of you know submitting your index card. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is we built five different ways of engaging with your audience. The open podium is just one of them. We we also have a backstage, so you can have co-administrators pre-screening people uh, and vetting them as to whether they want to give them the stage, giving them, you know, hey, take down the poster, giving them, let's check your audio and video. Uh, uh, okay, you're going to, coaching them through it, you know. And, and so you have a backstage, you have the uh, open podium, and you have a number of other tools to kind of manage that engagement with your audience. So... What's coming, how do you take what you've got then right now as what is clearly an amazing platform to allow people to engage? Like what's coming for, for, for Shindig in the future? Do you have any kind of like features you'd love to build in? Do you have anything that your your customers are feeding back to you and go, oh, this would, Steve, this would be so great if we could do this, this and this. And that's if you're comfortable talking about any of those right now. Like I appreciate you might want to keep some of those secrets, but is there anything top of mind that you'd want to share with the audience of what's coming on Shindig? Well, I think, you know, uh, um, we have a lot of great plans, uh, but I, I, I'm not sure I can disclose them. It's a very okay. competitive, world, competitive world out there. But most of all, we're focused about getting the word out, uh, uh, most especially during you know this crisis where uh, people convening and sharing with one another 
uh, is so challenging. And so we're doing a lot of charity events, a lot of education events, a, a lot of a lot of holiday parties okay, and yeah, yeah. bringing people together and servicing a lot of institutions in need and are working hard to really get word out to them and and uh, uh, and also to, you know, to the extent where, uh, you know, a private commercial company also to uh, large commercial institutions who we think we can do amazing work for. So that's that's job one right now. There is a pretty robust uh, 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 roadmap ahead, but even so, uh, I haven't touched on, you know, a lot of the completely differentiated salute uh, uh, abilities we have now from custom backgrounds to uh, customizable calls to action to being able to bring in other tools into Shindig. So we already have a, a ton of unique features for different use cases and different verticals. Let me ask you another slightly different question then. And I think it'd be interesting from the point of view of you um, coming from the live entertainment background and now you know being a, a founder of an event technology company. Like, what trends do you think our industry is going to see going forward with online events? Do you, do you think it's something here to stay? Do you think it's kind of a, a one of those moments where everybody's adopting it because it's just there at the moment? Like, how, how do you how do you see it? What trends do you see? Well, Adam, I think that's a, that's the question of the moment for uh, the event industry, um, and I think a lot of people are going to want to persuade themselves: oh, the vaccine's on its way. It's only mm. not another three to six months and things will be back to normal and we can plan on doing our events just like it was uh, 2019. Um, you know, I, I, I hate to be uh, uh, not agree with that position for a lot of people who are counting on that. Uh, I think COVID has demonstrated to people um, that there is a lot of inefficiency in in-person events uh, and the cost uh time administrative effort not to mention travel costs uh and and uh hotel and catering and all that stuff uh, may not be justified um there are also all kinds of subtle things about the fa uh, about the fact that you need to part the need to participate in these events now involves uh commitments of time and money that are not equally distributed uh, amongst all potential participants, it also kind of creates uh, kind of uh, a limiting factor on these events, mm -hmm. potential impact that people are uh, uh, perhaps a little bit more aware of uh, as they, uh, um, but the biggest thing is, so, so I see this whole different future for events. I don't think we're ever going back. I think Bill Gates recently uh, put forward that he thought that 30% of business travel was gonna end after COVID, it was never coming back. Um, I think uh, that what we're gonna see is the same way when print no longer became the uh, uh, embodiment or the ideal of text communication, that we saw uh, uh, everything from 140 character text becoming a, a, a huge uh, area uh, to Wikipedia. Uh, yeah. And in the same way, you're going to see events totally deconstruct. And yeah. it's no longer going to be about the hotel and the venue and the, and the catering. It's going to all be about relevance. It's going to be about timeliness. It's going to be about getting the right people together at the right moment. And you could think about this applied to COVID. How would you feel if all this research that the doctors were waiting to share their information until they could all go to Hawaii uh, to, the, to the right golf resort to, to be invited to some COVID conference and there collaborate in small groups and share. You would want those people meeting tomorrow. And yeah. so the notion of everyone holding back till CES rolls around for their tech announcement versus trying to assemble that community when it's most important to them. That's the way events are going to change. We're still going to have physical events, but they're going to be much more targeted. And the good news is because you're going to see online events 365 days a year for specific audiences 
and specific topics that are highly relevant, everyone is going to be is going to be much better connected. And therefore, yeah. when they get together in those in-person events, they're going to be that much more meaningful. It's going to be a lot less uh, uh, scrambling at these yeah, events. It's interesting what you say there because I get a sense that for some in the industry who've been so involved in physical events and us, us too, you know, it's, it seems to be this argument or this or that. It's like it's one or the other. And, and I see a future where both can exist in their own right because they're, they're fit for purpose. You know, you know, does it really make sense for a distributed audience to come to one location for one day and take three days out of the the the, the week for a, a, an hour conference when they can, you know, come together online in a much more sustainable and cost-effective way for everybody? Like, you know, th that probably doesn't make sense, but there will still be physical events that the absolute value is there, I think, in some ways going to a physical event will be the premier thing. It will be like the thing to, to go to, but what online events or what the expansion of a, an event, a physical event online as well will allow much more, much more people to get involved that wouldn't have been able to access that through, through travel restrictions, through logistics, through cost. You know, like I was just speaking to somebody today about CES funnily and, and, some of their team go each year, but they have to they have to stop two hours outside of Vegas just to make the budget work because the cost of Vegas at that time when CES is on to book a hotel room, it's just astronomical. And and that's the way that, you know, that's the way the, the world works when it comes to, to 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 things in demand, right? But for me, it just strikes me that that, that um alienates so many people getting involved in the industry or being a part of it or experiencing those product launches and and those things and i think what i've also seen and what you've clearly demonstrated through shindig I, i've said this for a while now that there is going to be an explosion of new event organizers that don't see themselves as event organizers right now they see themselves as maybe content creators or youtubers or you know people that are kind of rising up through the ranks of TikTok and things like this, like they're comfortable with technology, their audiences are digital, their, their community's digital, and why not bring them together through technologies like yours? So I think we'll see an explosion. I, I, I almost feel like the, the, the virtual or online event world will be its own sector in its own right somewhat because there'll be all these people that are, uh, will harness technology and create engagement with their communities, but never really saw themselves as event organizers in the past. So you just inspired me to create a new word. Uh, okay. Uh, because hearing you talk, it, it was so uh, uh, resonant with my own thinking. I think you're going to see the merger uh, much, uh, you know, it already is to a certain extent, but a much tighter merger between media and events. And I think you're going to see Aventia, where effectively uh, events really understand themselves, event organize themselves as media, and really understand them as totally connected with the exploitation of the recorded content, uh, uh, and that uh, the promotion of the event, the event, the engagement, and the exploitation of the recorded content is all going to be seamless, and it's all going to be planned as one concept of eventia and those eventia and they're also going to be punctuated by physical uh, convenings as well uh, yeah. but it's all going to become much more merged and the notion that they could be isolated and siloed is going to fall apart uh, the the ones who survive and profit are going to be the ones who, who embrace that uh, a way of dealing with their audiences seamlessly uh, in that I don't think it's going to be hybrid events or thinking that you're going to still have an event conception and just put it online and then a media conception and then just, you know, have a, a page with some recordings. It's going to be the full on uh, uh, reconception of how we treat this. Uh, so both agendas are equally uh, 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 considered and, and, and packaged together. Um, so, uh, um, yeah, uh, so you did it here first. Steve's just going to go straight after this podcast and trademark events here and, and, and make a million books off of that as well because everybody will want to use that. Too. I, I agree with you, mate. You know, we, at Event Industry News, we 
we communicate, we have daily readers from all around the world. And, and for me, events are a way for us to bring that com those communities together. But as a smaller, and I say smaller, but as a, as a, as what I would call a homegrown media company, you know, we're no BBC, we're no Bauer Media, we're no, uh, you know, MGM or anything like that. Like, it's, it's extremely difficult for us to bring that community together physically on a regular basis. But digitally online, we can utilize those technologies to bring those smaller niche communities, those, those really like-minded people together and, and thread that and create a journey through the years so people still feel connected no matter where or when they are. I want to ask you one kind of like final question from a technology point of view, from a from from somebody that's helping people through adopting online technology, what do you think, in your opinion, is one of the what's the challenges facing the industry right now when it comes to adopting technology, or when it comes to really unleashing the power of a platform like Shindig? Well, I, I think quite honestly, um, um, this type of change takes time. Mm. We don't, there are some platforms um, that think, okay, the tech is the solution. We've given you your solution. Now a company can just take our solution and, and uh, God bless, go have your events. Uh, I don't see that. Uh, we're technology. But throwing a great party requires more than booking the venue. It requires uh, someone who knows how to make people comfortable, someone how to book the right DJ, uh, uh, set the right tone, invite the right people, um, and uh, create the right energy. Uh, that is magic. And technology, you know, we think, I think there's lots of magic to enable what we enable. But it takes uh, uh, someone. Uh, um, uh, it takes a real skill to throw a great event, and that skill is not done um, one size fits all. It's not a, a something that lends itself to technology to solve, because it really requires great users. Uh, all you and so, uh, what's holding back the industry? is really the event community uh, uh, really leaning into this uh, uh, um, and recognizing this as an opportunity. Uh, 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 I think because of some of the approaches of some of the tech companies, uh, uh, they think that, you know, uh, um, their view is uh, maybe because they don't allow optionality and all the bells and whistles to allow uh, uh, an event organizer to show their stuff and really create a kind of robust and unique experience that's memorable and, and, and has charisma and is you know, completely different from the last Zoom call. Uh, now mm. we're dealing with Zoom call, Zoom call, Zoom call. They all seem the same. Uh, you know, Shindig, every event is completely unique. At least you have the potential of making it uh, uh, completely uh, differentiated. And uh, so it's up to, you know, it's a shift in, in mentality that requires uh, we're re wholly reliant on event organizers uh, to want to see, to raise the bar on themselves and to uh, demonstrate to the rest of the world of, of what's possible versus kind of saying, okay, let's get back to those physical events that we know how to do. Yeah, I think I think you're right. It's that status quo moment. It's, it's like, well, this is what we do physically. So let's try and do this online and let's try and corral people and, and create a very structured experience and maybe not maybe not taking enough risks maybe not letting the audience participate freely enough and being worried about how things are going to happen and work and from what I've heard from you say the sentiment really for me is the industry needs to fail fast and fail often at the moment like try new things try different things be go out there embrace um, what can potentially happen. And what's really interesting to me and has always been interesting to me about the events industry is anybody can organize an event. There is no, like, you, there is no, you know, you don't, like a doctor can only operate on somebody if they've got the right qualifications, right? Like they, anybody can organize an event. Anybody can hire a venue. So the, 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 the barrier to entry is quite low. 
But those that create the biggest and most memorable experiences do that through experience. They know what works. They know what works in terms of event design, venue design, furniture, band, sound, lighting, all that kind of stuff. They have that experience, and that's what makes those events so special. Somebody's curated that. And I think, there's, for me, there's a little bit of fear when it comes to doing all of that online for some reason. And I think we just, as an industry, we need to embrace it a little bit more and just be, you know, just say, what will happen, what will happen? Let's see what happens and let's learn from it. Well, I think that's that's so exactly the point. Uh, it's based on experience. And since we've been thrust into it so fast, uh, these event organizers who are paid to not fail, who are paid mm. to make sure their high value clients needs are met and there is no difficulty are inherently risk averse if they haven't had uh, uh, that good experience. But unfortunately um, to win, uh, this is a time where the people who gain experience faster are going to be the ones who are able to have that confidence and 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 move more quickly to to uh, uh, to be opportunistic. Uh, I will throw out a little commercial here. If yeah, you, go for me. <laughs> if you're an event organizer and you have someone exhibiting at CES or wanting to make differentiate yourself at CES, which is on Teams. And you want to throw a VIP reception, a welcome party, uh, a networking lounge, uh, you know, any kind of uh, meet and greet launch event. We're here, happy to support you. Hey, that's a, that's a really good offer. I guess, I guess then, Steve, like, where do people go to try out Shindig to get their to get an event set up to 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 maybe see a demo or or connect with one of your team to see what's truly possible because let's be honest about it although we're recording video and some will watch the video we are this is a podcast so like where do they go to check out how truly amazing your platform is uh shindig.com slash demo we do demos every day at uh uh three o'clock eastern time mm -hmm. uh you can sign up for a demo any day uh, and uh, or check out our website. And I'm Steve at Shindig.com if anyone wants to reach out to me. Steve, this has been fantastic. Guys, girls, if you're listening, do go out and check out Shindig. I'm going to be twisting Steve's arm after this, after this podcast for him to let me do something for the industry because I think it's just one of those really fluid, um, engaging environments where I just can see people just mingling and chatting and, and watching something and going off into another, you know, going out, to, going over to the bar area, going out to the smokers area, and you know all that kind of stuff that really happens at physical events. So do do check out, take Steve up on his offer. If you are out at CES and you're wanting to do something different and stand out, get in touch with him. I'm gonna, like I said, I'm gonna be twisting his arm after this, Steve. Thank you very much for coming on today's podcast. Um, and thank you for giving us an insight into your experience and why you've gone an absolutely different route to what 99.9% .9 of the other platforms out there that I've seen at the moment are going down. So a testament to you for that. I'd love to get you back on maybe in, I don't know, six or 12 months, talk to you a little bit of things about how things have moved on and how things have, have, have progressed. But thank you very much for, for coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much, Adam. Take care.